Hello and welcome to The Breakdown with Orla Shinoui. And Greg Rutherford. Oh God. <laughs> I really do need earplugs, that's getting louder and louder. You're not getting more welcoming, it's just any more yeah, aggressive. It's the only words I get to say in this thing, so might as well make them impactful, eh? As we will discover, it is not uh, the only words that you get to say. They are not the only words you get to say. Um, anyway, today's guest is... A friend of Eurosport and Discovery, really, yes. isn't she? Fellow um, slider. Fellow slider as sure. well. I wasn't Lots. really a slider. I should never really put myself in the same brackets as somebody of that level. Well, you were a slider, though. You were I've, both I've in been team, down a G track. team GB. Yeah, I think Billy from Basingstoke's probably been down the track and <laughs> went to the ski resort, so maybe I should... Billy I'm... from Basingstoke, if you've been down an ice track, please do get in touch. You can put yourself in the same category as Greg Rutherford and our guest today, no, not, Amy Williams. Not, not in the same category, though. No, she's an Olympic gold medalist. She is an Olympic gold medalist. There. The first... Uh, Team GB Olympic gold medalist in a Winter Olympics in 30 years. I mean, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that, obviously, and the dedication that it took. And she's incredibly focused. She had a very different approach to her training and her sporting life than you did, Greg. But I also wanted to talk to her about her current life and being a working mum, how she juggles it all, because I find it nigh on impossible. Yeah. All my balls drop on a daily basis. And I wanted to get some uh, techniques from her, essentially, quite selfishly. She claims all her balls drop too, though, so I guess we're all in it together. There's a lot of ball dropping. That's what we'll say about this one. Balls dropping all over the place. Is that your contribution, Greg? That's all I've got. Thank That's you. That's all I'm allowed to say. That's what you said to me before. <laughs> no, as I said, as you will hear, you've plenty to hear. You've plenty to say. Um, I've got plenty to hear. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get to it, shall we? I think that's probably the best way. Here's a breakdown with Amy Williams. Amy Williams, welcome to our studio in Bath, which is usually used for cycling. If anybody's watching on the vodcast, you can probably see some cycling memorabilia behind mm -hmm. us. Um, but you've popped down the road to see us, so thank you. I literally have. Yeah, it took me like five minutes to whiz down from my house, park up, and here I am. Well, we're so, here yeah, for thanks. you. That's what it's, we're here for you. Don't you worry, we'll keep doing this. You make it sound like a counselling session. Oh, it's not going to be that it dramatic. It has, it has been, been that, actually. Yeah. yeah, we should warn you. Um, how are you, anyway? What have you been up to? I'm all right. Well, about like half an hour ago, I was at like some kiddie play date, trying to get my kids to eat pizza. You know, like saying, right, Granny and Granddad are picking you up. I've got a bit of podcast. Not that they know what that is. <laughs> but yeah, life feels like every day is just on that little hamster wheel of balancing mum life, admin, jobs, you know, PT stuff, stuff like this. But it's good, you know, can't complain. Just need a little... Breather, so I'm, I'm enjoying the fact that I get to sit in this chair we for like what, an hour. You know, just, <laughs> we, we can, yeah, we can just all be quiet for the next 45 minutes. Yeah, I get and to let sit you still. As parents, we all know that as well, don't we? Just that, that time, oh, just to sort of oh. do nothing and just think and be quiet. It's, yeah. it's rare. Very say. rare. Very so rare. thank you for having me, just to oh. make me sit still for like. Well, an we can hour. go for six hours. That's fine. <laughs> oh yeah, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for being here. Um, well, that was one thing we wanted to talk to you about, though, mm. being a working mum and all the things you have to juggle because. Um, we have met before um, on our way to a the taxi. Yeah, oh, we shared a taxi <laughs> randomly. But we were supposed to work together recently on the Beijing Olympics, and I couldn't yeah. go uh, because of COVID in the in the house. But so I follow you on Instagram a lot, yes, and I see exactly. everything you're up to. <laughs> And I identify so much with all of the things, all the balls you've got to keep in the air. Mm. It's so hard. I know as a working dad as well, but I'm always intrigued as to whether it's different for working mums. And I guess you only know your version of it, mm. but you yeah. do have to 
juggle an awful lot, don't you? You do. And I mean, I look at you on Instagram <laughs> thinking, oh my word, how do you do that with the, you know, the flights and all of that mm. that's added in? But it, it is, it's a juggle. My husband works really long hours. He's in the military. So he's out the door half six in the morning. You know, it's me doing all the kiddie stuff. Um, he doesn't come home till eight, nine, later at night. Or for example, this week, he's away the whole entire week. So you kind of almost got that single mum juggling everything. Um, and I'm really lucky I have my own personal training business that I do three days a week when I shove the littlest one into nursery. Um, but then I'm trying to rush the oldest one, Oscar, who started school. He's in reception. It's like, okay, you have to get dropped off at nursery because my first client's at quarter past eight. Mm. I can't take you to school. And it's just a juggle. The, the kind of admin life, every minute of every day is normally accounted for. You know, the diary is just dung, 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 dung. How much can I squeeze in when I don't have two children or I just have the one? You know, like today I had one. So it's like, okay, I can do these two meetings with him with me iPads on overdrive, you know, and that one he could come with me because I'll push him and I'll have a walking, talking meeting. You know, before you know it, it's five to three and I'm the mum rushing and Oscar's waiting at his school, you know, peering over, where's mummy? She's late again. This one I think is so oh. funny. The, the mums here rushing to the school gate, oh. you assume are the disorganised ones and are actually probably the ones who are trying to do oh, ten times as much as everyone else. Do you have any techniques that you've learned for that kind of <laughs> discipline though? Because you say that every minute is yeah. accounted for. And I remember when I was pregnant with my first child and um, I was working in cycling even then and Sir Dave Brailsford, who was the head of Sky at the time, now Ineos, said to me the key thing before becoming a parent or like everything is to have routine, to have everything in its place. So he was talking about nappy changing, for example. Make sure yeah. you've got the nappy changing station set up. You know where everything mm -hmm. is and make sure you're as organised as possible. And that must have lasted maybe a nappy and a half. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. And it's been, I've, my eldest is now seven and I've never managed to incorporate that discipline. I just haven't. Was Do you that, have? Was that given as advice? I just want to just, because what I find fascinating, anybody who's mm -hmm. listening who's, becoming a parent or is hoping to be a parent at some point, what people love doing, I found, yeah. love giving advice. <laughs> and they love giving the most ridiculous advice. I remember we just had our first and a photographer, we were doing something and he was going, oh, what you need to do, I've had six of them. And when they cry... Six children. Six children. You know, well, there, how, there's this problem. Well, how he had had six as well. And anyway, he was like, <laughs> you just leave them in a room to cry and they cry themselves until they stop. Eventually, after a few months, it works. It's like, I'm pretty sure that's, that's borderline abuse. <laughs> like, it was some of the things that you get. And you get these just ridiculous things that people want to tell you. Where actually, I think probably the best advice ever was just don't listen to everybody else's advice. Yeah. And it is one of the most frustrating things. But of course, when you're working so much as well, mm. I mean... From the point of view of the training set up and everything that you had as an athlete, did you find that was a, a massive bonus to understanding oh, how to put your day Yeah, in? and even throughout my pregnancy, my births, I very much had my athlete hat on. So in what way? So, um, you know, my mantra as an athlete, control the controllables. Okay, pregnancy, I can't control it and what my baby wants to do and not do. The birth, I had my plan A. Or, you know, home, well, no, it wasn't home, but, you know, like a water birth, hypno birth, I did all my own little research. Plan B, okay, I might not be able to do that because that particular room in the hospital might be booked with someone else. Okay, plan C, and I think in the end, both my children were plan D, you mm, know, like, mm. but at every stage, I was like, I can't control it. Okay, my kid's got other problems, you know, like, this has to be done, and you, you took the advice of the midwives, you know, so that was one, and I think definitely now being organised, like, I've already packed my son's bag for tomorrow, you know, in the five minutes I had before coming here because I knew I'd be home late and it's always a rush getting them all out 
early enough. So I'm like, okay, I've already done the littlest ones, nappies. I've done the water bottles. I've put it all in. You know, I've laid out their clothes. So that's, I think, the old athlete. And, and, and yeah, for me, the nappy stations is definitely one. We have like one in our TV cabinet underneath because you're always watching TV. Whip out a nappy. Happy days. Um, but yeah. do, you, do you like that level of discipline? Because for me, I'm quite, I like being not disorganised, but, I, but yeah. that level of <laughs> discipline actually makes me feel quite anxious. Well, I always yeah. forget things. If I'm that organised, I always forget things. Now, I say as the athlete side of things, I, I knew what time I had to be at the track. I'd get there, mm. I'd have my kit, and I was a bit yeah, of a but nightmare. You wouldn't yourself but to that, look after. Exactly, that's what I mean. But then I think I'm similar to you in a way. I kind of actually like the manic couple of seconds of True. like, where are they? Yeah. Where are they? Where are they? No, they're in that cupboard. Okay, they're in that yeah. cupboard. Whatever else. Because often I say, similar, I have different, we have different places where things are kept. Never, never anything there. It's if like you... wipes in one, <laughs> nappies in the other. <laughs> Saxon and it just just turns into a free fall. But, but I kind of like it. But this is this is why I'm asking whether you like that discipline because for me I understand the concept of control mm. the controllables and it it is that athlete mantra. But with kids, there's so little you can oh, control unless you force yourself to be disciplined. Yeah, I, I I'm weirdly both. So if you speak to my husband, he, Mr. Military Man, will think I am absolute scatterbrain, don't right, have a clue what's going on, leave things to last minute, much like all these books I have to read for this judging tomorrow. I've got like three books to read tonight. Um, you know, so I, he thinks I'm absolutely off the rocket. He calls me a, a butterfly. I scatter from one thing to the next and I'm doing like five things in the house at once. But then I'm like, well, why would I wait for the kettle to boil when I, boil when I could? be doing this and I could be doing that. And by the way, I've now forgotten the kettle to make a cup of tea and, <laughs> exactly. you know, 20 minutes is last. So hearsay I'm like that. And I think almost having been... You're trying been to condensely multitask yeah, everything. Yeah, and almost having been retired as an athlete, I actually love being spontaneous and I yeah. love not having the routine. And then I know in certain elements of life, you have to. And the only way I get through the day is being really like okay, I have to look at my diary and what's happening now and what's happening here and alarms on my phone, otherwise I will forget. Mm. So I'm somewhere, to be fair, a mishmash mm. of almost everyone, depending on what the day is and what hat I've had to put on to which one of those people I can be. Um, yeah, so everything. So what do you get out of all of that then? Because obviously you've got to plan every single bit of it and to come mm -hmm. here you've had to set out your son's school bag for tomorrow morning um one thing that i always get told is that i try to do too much and i think <laughs> what well what's too much what's yeah. anybody else's too much if i have to get up at 4 a.m to get as much done in the day as yeah. i want to get done then that's then that's my decision and it's like with your husband saying you're the scatty one but that's just by his standards yeah. but what do you get out of a life that's like that oh i don't know i mean i like, why do you why do you need to oh. get things done while the kettle is boiling is why I I'm think asking it's because, because I'm the same kind of person. Yeah, there, 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 there is, I feel like there's too much to do. I'm trying to juggle motherhood mm -hmm. um, and sort of almost being that full-time mum because of husband's work hours. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to juggle my PT business. I'm trying to juggle, you know, daily life admin of being a, a, a mum of a family. I'm trying to juggle all other admin that comes in from, you know, being an ex-athlete podcast to interviews to you know setting up other work tv work um i've had my book that i've done recently so that was a lot of admin so you almost feel like you've you've got all these different things that you need to do um and there's never enough time to do it mm. all because like you say something unexpected might happen or you're at that play date for an extra half an hour because you're trying to do it for your kids 
but now I'm in a rush for the next thing. Or, you know, something takes a little bit longer than expected. So the knock-on effect of that could be a little bit drastic, but, you know, it's not life or death, but, you know, it it does have a knock-on effect. And I think um, maybe the athlete, you just, you're so used to being busy. You're so used to always having something on. And you just, my problem, I just want to say yes to everything. Mm. I don't know how to say no because I want to please everyone. And I, uh, you know, people always call me, I'm the pleaser. I, I want to say yes to keep everyone else happy. And then before I know, I know it, I'm like, oh my goodness, that's another mad week. Oh my goodness, look at next week. How am I going to fit it all in? And then I regret saying yes. <laughs> like, my new thing is just to try and say no more and just say I'm just too busy. Sorry. Have you tried to say no? Well, actually, someone, my, one of my PT clients actually bought me a book, which for the life of me, I can't remember what it's called, but it's all about less is more. Mm. Start saying no. Only got about three pages in. <laughs> it's on the side of my bed. Exactly. <laughs> did, did you find it easier to say no, though, as an athlete? So, because obviously didn't... it is so pro, isn't it? I mean, like, you knew where you were, you were training each time, if you're going yeah. off to a competition, whatever it might be, Olympics, whatever else. Could you then say no a lot easier? Yeah, or did you didn't... maybe do you have people to say it for you? No, I think there, w- there wasn't anything else to say yes to. You know, I was very mm. much, you know, before that Olympic medal, my life was just training, eating, sleeping, training, eating, sleeping. There was nothing else to say yes to. You know, I was so dedicated, so structured. You know, I didn't... You know, winter sports, we didn't have all the exposure in the lead up. So I didn't have all these other things to do or, you know, sponsors, interviews. You know, I I walked away. I didn't do any of it. For me, it was like, do the best, concentrate on your training. And then if you do well in the competition and you, you know, get success, that stuff will come afterwards. So I think it was just, no, I was just blinkers on. That's it. I'm an athlete. I'm doing what I need to do. Don't need to do anything else. So would you say it's easier than being an athlete than it is a working mum? But easier being an I've athlete. I've never been an athlete, but I know the answer to that question. Well, I would say is, everything yeah. is easier than being a working well, mum. Yeah, but I think it's so listen. much easier. But it's one of those things, isn't it? People listen and just think, well, I could never be an athlete, all that hard mm-hmm. work, everything else. But actually, and I, I would agree, like it's far easier just mm. worrying about yourself and everything else, just as a dad. And I know generally when it when when the mum's predominantly involved, it, the children generally lean towards mum, etc. I mean, it's a lot better now I'm around a lot more. But it's my, I would, I would say, and, and people might say I'm wrong, I, I would definitely say it's harder for, for the mum than it is the dad. Why? Um, well, I just think, I think in general, I think, funny enough, I talked about this on a, on a wellbeing podcast about men's mental health and things as well, and about being able to step away from it. It seems, and studies would show that men find it easier and are less guilty about stepping away mm-hmm. from, their, from mm-hmm. their children to take time for themselves, be that mm-hmm. 10 minutes or an hour, whatever it might be. Whereas it, studies are showing that women constantly feel guilty about it, which is a very difficult thing to, to, to get with. And, and I completely and utterly understood it. Straight away, I was saying, Do you know, no, I, I, if I want to go for a run, mm-hmm. There's no guilt from me while I'm running because oh, yeah. the thing is, while I'm there, I'm very present, of course, and, and whatever else. And I see that as that's fine. Mm. But I think it's also important that it's done for, for everybody Absolutely. to take time. Absolutely. You shouldn't be taking that away from the dads. You should be giving it to the mums, essentially, or, exactly. or telling mums it's okay and not only okay, but necessary to take, take time exactly. for yourself. Exactly. Go and do it. Yeah. It's funny, I saw this thing on Instagram yeah. earlier. We're recording this today after Mother's Day in the United States. Mm. And um, a, an American actress had posted a picture saying how for Father's Day, the dads go off and play golf for the boys. For Mother's Day, yeah, you're supposed to be cool. spend the day being delighted by having watercolours <laughs> painted for you by your three-year-old. And that is it in a nutshell, isn't it? That motherhood is supposed to be enough of itself. 
Whereas a dad doesn't just become a father, he's a man who has children, I, I guess. It's, yeah. it's maybe slightly different, I don't know. And there might be lots and lots of dads, and single dads in particular, who'll be listening to this and, and will say, absolutely, I do all of the work, or I do most of the work, of or whatever. But a fair play to I'm being quite reductive. But going back to what you're saying about being an athlete and how it was train, eat, sleep, train, eat, sleep. This is where sometimes I struggle listening to podcasts with elite athletes and and to go back to what you said about controlling the controllables i find it really difficult to find lessons from that that i can apply when i have a hundred different things going on a second mm. how do i take the time to concentrate on those few things that i can control when everything feels like it's falling outside of my control yeah i i i, I mean i totally agree i think it's really hard but i think when i'm uh, in a situation or let's just say yeah you're about to do a presenting role you know like mm. we've just worked together haven't we and you know you're a sport like i can only do the amount of research that i've got time for mm -hmm. I'm not going to mm -hmm. stress then, like whatever comes out my mouth mm -hmm. is the best that I can do in that moment because physically there weren't any more hours to do it. Or, okay, I control the fact that I'll wake up an hour earlier. I'm not going to do any more because otherwise I'll be knackered and shattered. Mm -hmm. You know, like I'll do one hour earlier to do that extra hours of research and then I, that, that's what I can control. You know, so, so I kind of had that sort of mindset that I'm... Not every decision, but I think if there's a moment that you're stressed about something and anxious, then I tell myself, because I do get quite a lot of anxiety mm -hmm. now and st I feel stressed quite a lot because I, you know, am juggling. And then I'm like, okay, take a deep breath. What can I do in this situation that I can make it better? Okay, well, I can't control that and I can't control that. So I'm going to do this and then I'll be happy that I've done that. Okay, so another way of looking at that, I guess, would be concentrate on what you can do. Yeah. So when you talk about control, the controllables, and you're saying, you know, I don't have enough time to do all the research. I would think, well, that should be within my control. I should be able to do all of the research. Yeah. But actually just concentrating on, on what you can do and doing that well. Yeah, it's realistic expectations, it. isn't yeah, it? Yeah, That's yeah, it. Yeah. And it's similar to what we spoke to Chris Hoy about, really, wasn't mm -hmm. it? It's exactly that. It, it's, it's understanding that, yes, you might hold yourself to very, very high level and you want to be as perfect as you can. I think as humans, we generally do, don't we? We want to be perfect, but you can't mm -hmm. be. So mm -hmm. it's then accepting that actually at that time, if you are... 10, 20, 50% in my case, unprepared <laughs> and, and panicking ever so slightly with certain things. Just appreciate and understand that your high levels of expectation are probably way above what's mm. needed and, and what, what happens. And we see it everywhere, don't we? We compare everything, everything we do. I mean, we, we talk about this a lot. I, I watch back bits or if we're getting ready to prep for this sort of stuff, I'm like, ah, oh, I hate the sound of my own voice. You wouldn't <laughs> yeah. believe it by listening to this. Um, but it, it's you recover very well, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> but it's those sorts of things that you start to realize you can't stress about them, you can't worry yeah. about them. You have to actually just, again, control the controllables and have maybe lower your expectations mm, a little bit. Mm. It's good to have these internal ones and set the bar as credibly high. But, but be okay with not getting there. Don't yeah. use, don't always use that as the barometer. Mm. Um, I want to jump onto something you just said, Amy, because as soon as somebody says this to me, I think, oh, I want to learn how they deal with that. You say you have anxiety or you, you stress out a lot. Um, anxiety is something I didn't realize I had remarkably until last year. It's something I've had all of my life and I deliberately don't say I suffer from it because I don't always suffer. It's brought me an attention to detail, a level of perfectionism, um, a restlessness that I channel into projects an awful lot mm -hmm. that I'm very grateful for. But do you have do you feel stressed or do you have anxiety do you know is there well, a difference this is the thing like i didn't think i did and maybe when you do read other people's instagram posts or whatever as an athlete i don't think i did because like you say you were you were so in this different mindset mm. but i think now as 
what I think is just a crazy working mum who's scatterbrain. Um, I do feel like I get a bit stressed and anxious. Um, and I know for me, like I, like I suffer with IBS and I know, okay, that gets way worse. And that's definitely led by stress, anxiety, when I'm feeling underprepared, when I haven't had time to put into research or a job or even getting here. I was like, oh my goodness, what are we even talking about? <laughs> well, it doesn't matter, like who cares? You know, and then I do feel like I'm, my husband, my parents would probably say, you know, I. I I'm more aware that I get more snappy. Mm. I definitely feel like I'm a bit more snappier with the boys. I'm probably a bit more harsher with Craig, my husband. And it's only like, oh yeah. And I reckon that's because I'm feeling stressed and anxious and worried and I'm not prepared. And that's when I realize, okay, take a deep breath, lower my expectations. 100% you're just expecting too much from yourself. And then I have to have a little talking to myself and just take some deep breaths. Normally when I'm on the toilet or something. Yeah, it's the only time and I, I realise I wake up and my shoulders are up here and I'm clenching my jaws and I'm like, okay, deep breaths. Take three big deep breaths and just lower everything down and not worry about things so much. So, so yeah. I want to correct you on something, Amy, which is remarkable and ridiculous of me to do because it, you're talking about yourself, but you, you, call, you just called yourself a crazy, scatty <laughs> mum uh, who's disorganised. <laughs> yeah, but at the you, start of this podcast, you're like, an yeah, Olympic really champion. You've <laughs> exactly. got your own business. You've got two children who you mother mostly by yourself because your husband isn't with you. That is remarkable what you're achieving. It, that's not how you see yourself, is it? Crazy well, scatty mum. Well, I don't know. At the start of this podcast, I'm like, yeah, well, actually, that is probably what I'm absolutely like. I don't know, like... Maybe this is a therapy session. Yeah, I mean, you need yeah. a talking to. Um, yeah, no, you know, I kind of look back and I think, oh, I'm actually really proud of what I've mm. done, what I've achieved, and actually the fact that I do do this, 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 and I'm about to launch another business, actually, which <laughs> my business partner was like, oh, yeah, don't forget, we're kind of like doing a little Instagram tweet at seven. I was like, oh, I'm running a bit late. Uh, <laughs> okay. So it's another little side hustle that I've been working on. So, yeah, when I look back, I think I actually do do a lot. Mm. Uh, and you talk to other school mums and... You know, you speak to someone who's like, oh, well, I don't even work and I struggle looking after two kids. I mean, that's the hardest um, job in the world. And then world. you kind of think, well, yeah, actually, I, I do do quite a lot and, you know, do many things. And, you know, I'm prepping to, to work away on the Isle of Man for two weeks with the TT. And it's like, OK, well, my husband's taken a week off work so he can look after the boys for the first week because it obviously coincides with half term. <laughs> and then the second week, my parents step in and I couldn't do any of it without my parents. You know, they're now at home babysitting now so I can be here and mm. they are a godsend. So somehow we all just blag it and muddle through mm. and I managed to do everything you know that I do do thanks to them I, I think we are all just I was gonna say I'd, I'd say that's like most people in the world <laughs> like I don't think you should ever consider that as yeah scatty or whatever else I think that's just most humans to but be so many of us do put that on ourselves I oh, think or maybe it's a female thing I don't mm. know do you no definitely oh, look, look, there's there's definitely times I think everybody no matter who you are what you do especially when children are involved where it becomes yeah. stressful and you might want for a better word scatty but I I I think when you stop and actually look at it with everything that's going on, goodness me, absolutely not. And maybe it's that's an like, important thing for everybody to do every now and again. You know, I, I, had this, I had this um, day recently. I mentioned getting up at 4 a.m., but my husband was going out of the country for work. Um, my kids were in half term, <laughs> uh, or my oldest anyway. My youngest goes to nursery just twice a, uh, twice a week. So I had them to myself all week. I had, I don't know how many deadlines I had to meet. So I was setting my alarm for 4 a.m. to get a, a morning's work done 
before they before breakfast time. Yeah. And then I, w- I was wheeling along and, and um, sent our friend friend of the podcast who's sitting here, Belle, um, that I was cycling along with my kids later in the afternoon. And I thought, this is a bit like life. If I stop pedaling, I'll fall off. You know, I just keep pedaling, just keep pedaling. And I got to the end of that day. And for the first time in years, I think, I sat down and went, I'm really proud of myself for getting through today. Mm. But that was just ticking off life stuff, yeah. really. It was getting work done, looking after the kids, making sure I didn't try to not lose my patience with yeah. the kids. And I thought, no, I'm going to reward myself for this. I'm going to thank myself for this. Yeah, but yeah. people should. But yeah. this is the big thing, isn't it? Every day shouldn't be a day to create something remarkable. It should be actually mm. getting through what is life mm. in general. And, and I think if you can get out the, the end of each day and it's been a success because you've completed it well, mm. like, Absolutely, give yourself a pat on the back. Have a glass of wine, but in your case, not. Um, <laughs> yeah. But no, but it's one of those things that take an extra five minutes of meditation. No, for me. Every exactly, exactly. The deep breathing. All, <laughs> no, but it's one of those things, isn't it? Because there are so many external inputs that you you can tap into at any point, and it would mm. flick in on Instagram, Twitter, whatever, whatever it might yeah. be. Instantly, as what is a successful day to you, you then go, oh, it's not because they did that. Yeah. Rubbish, really. You ha- people have to learn to start switching off from that because mm-hmm. I think it really is detrimental. I, to so many. I like. I'm always harsh. Like, oh my god, I haven't posted a day on Instagram. Oh, I haven't don't. done this. Oh my goodness, they've done that. And and then my friend actually sat the other day. And was like, but what do you want from it? Do you need more work? Do you want that? I was like, well, we all want more work, but could I fit it in? No. So she was like, well, don't worry about it. We're you programmed done it for to a think we need two. to want more. And I think, um, you know, what you're saying about being happy with what you've done, like the sports psychologist I worked with just before the Olympics was like, Amy, you're always moving your goalposts. Your aim for this race was to come third. Mm-hmm. You've come second and you're still not happy because you're telling me you could have done X, Y, Z. You should pat yourself on the back because you got the result you wanted. And I think we're very programmed into never taking a breath, saying, I did everything that I wanted to do today or whatever, pat myself on the back now and be happy. Because no, you're always looking to achieve more. Or yeah, rubbish, I didn't do a post. Or yes, I still haven't done that. And I think maybe that's a British thing. Maybe it's a mum thing. Maybe it's a little bit of everything that you're always trying to push yourself and strive for more and more and more instead of just being happy the fact that you got through the day, you ticked off everything in your diary to whatever level, and now be happy for it. So, yeah. so after, we've got to touch on it, of course, after becoming Olympic champion then, and if we look back at what a remarkable time that was, was that for you very easy then just to sort of say, oh, I've done that now, I've done, was there not a part of you that was like, I've got to go back out there now, what I've next? got to go, right, exactly, within that, that context. Well, it's funny because even after the Olympic race, um, I spoke to my coach and I was like, oh, crap, I still didn't do whatever corner properly. You're like, oh, and you're still straight away, like, analysing your, your run that you just did of the bits that you still didn't quite get right. And he's just like, who cares, you've just won. <laughs> like, so I think it's just that that athlete nature is you're always looking for feedback. You're turning negatives to positives. You know, you're always looking to see how you can improve. Or positives to negatives in that case. Yeah, so, you know. But I think, um, yeah, half of me was like, okay, I've done it. That was what I knew I could do. And I did it when it mattered. And, you know, I ticked all my boxes. Great. And then you're like, well, actually, I still know now I could be a better athlete. I've nailed it. I, I know my formula. I know what works for me everything was working towards that one moment, these two days of racing in that four-year period, and I did it. Great, now I can keep going. Um, 
And then, you know, for me, yes, I, I took a bit of time out. I did keep competing. And, you know, politics, this and that, equipment, technology, um, coaching, everything did fall apart. And I guess for me, it was like, actually, I don't need to do this anymore. Yeah. You know, my body was falling apart. I was in pain every day. And I just sort yeah, of reassessed. Yeah. And along with everything, it was like, actually, no, I, I can shut the chapter on this and go to the next chapter even though half of me, I truly believed I could go to the next Olympics and win a medal. I truly believed that. But everything wasn't working anymore for numerous reasons. Um, and so, yeah, I decided, OK, I can walk away and switch to the next thing. So how do you make your peace with walking away from something when it's not working? Because I think so many of us can get stuck in that rut, whether it be a job, a relationship, a situation yeah. where you think, I know this isn't right for me, but... And I could keep going and I could make it right. I can work harder at this. I can make the job work. I can make the relationship work. But how do you get to the point where you think, I've got to be comfortable with saying, I've tried hard enough at this right now yeah. and be brave and shut the door on it and say, it is what it is, but I need to move on to something else now. Because that's really hard in life. It, yeah, it's really, really hard. And it took me, oh my goodness, well over four years or more to stop feeling almost the pain from it. After retirement, yeah. wow. But interestingly, yeah. success helps though. Long time. From the yeah. point of view of saying, obviously mm. if we take it into a sporting sense, what you often find, there's a lot of athletes that hold on way too long, sportsmen and women across all the different sports, because they're desperate for that moment. I'd say for us, we're very lucky that we, we had that moment. Obviously there's a lot of hard work that goes into that, like, of course, but I definitely would say that there has to be, for anybody who's had the absolute pinnacle within sport, once you can start reasoning with yourself slightly, then it becomes, it makes a bit more sense. And you touched on something there, and it's just something you said very quickly. You realise you, you didn't need to do this anymore. And for, for me and you, on a level, because we had very, very similar ends to our careers in that way, mm. it's definitely easy. It hurts, like, no tomorrow. I mean, mm. like, the, stepping away from the thing that you are, mm. what you did, mm. what everybody around you defines you as as well. It's not just you. Everybody that looks at you, yeah, yeah guy did long time. you're the one that, was down on the tea tray, as everybody loves to say. Yeah. Um, it's it's those moments, so you, it's very, very difficult. But as I say, if you've had a level of success, that must have been there. So at that point when you're going, do you know what, I don't need this anymore, you then get to think about that moment of becoming an Olympic champion again. So then you can see, do you know what, actually there's got to be more out there. And I think what I want to ask as well is that feeling you had when you became Olympic champion. And if you... I do with me saying be honest about it, but what what was the overriding feeling? Because I think often people have different experiences and different feelings when they get that moment. And mm. I'd be interested to know with things that have been going on around the sport, your journey to it, etc., the journey of the sport itself. And knowing there was a bit of pressure on you as well, because my understanding was that funding wouldn't have carried on within the sport unless you won as well. So what was that feeling like when you find out your Olympic champion, everything that's going on around First it. gold for GB in 30 years in a Winter Olympics. Yeah, I mean, yeah, number one, it was just relief. Relief for me, because I knew I could win. I was mm. always trained, dubbed training champion by my coaches. Mm. I'd broken track records, um, you know, I'd beaten every other athlete on all the different tracks. Races, I was always second, third, fourth, but always the fastest in training on one or two runs. We get six runs to learn a track. And so for the Olympics, I'd won a silver medal the year before in the World Cup. Okay, this track suits me. It's my style of track. I'm fast on it. 
Um, and then when it came to the Olympics and in the six training runs, I was putting down, I'd have to go back through timesheets, but I, I nailed at least four or five of the fastest runs. Okay, I can win, but never did that ever enter my brain because I kind of almost said to myself, oh, but you're always training champion. You know, almost those negative, thought, negative thoughts were always there. And so for me, it, it was relief. I mean, every moment of my life, of every second for four years, having missed out on the Turin Olympics 2006 was, is this going to make me go to Olympics, yes or no? Every single decision of every life, of every day was that. And so I kind of really, um, to, to win and for my coach to say you're Olympic champion was just, <sighs> finally, I knew I could do it. I knew I could do it. I've done it, finally. So that was the first relief, uh, feeling. And then, um, you know, obviously pride, you know, you're so proud of yourself, for your family, your friends. They're the only real people who know what has mm. gone into your life as a, you know, a top athlete. Um yeah, and then obviously for the sport, we knew someone, male or female, had to bring home a medal for the funding, the money that had gone in, the research, the development, and all of that side of it. We had to bring home a medal for the sport to stay alive. Yeah. So that was a really big, like, whew, okay, I've done it. And one of the guys on the team came up and was like, oh, thank goodness you've done it, because the pressure's off us now. Mm. Am I right in thinking that somebody um, said it sort of had the conversation where they basically said, yeah. you need to win us a gold medal here. Something well, it was UK sort of amongst the like whole that. team. You know when, you know, every sport has to give its medal tally, don't they? You know, yeah. you're meant to bring home one and swimming say they're going to bring home six and whatever. So we knew we had to, you know, we had to bring home a medal from those games in Vancouver for Skeleton to keep the funding into the sport and to keep the next programme going. Was that a point of conversation within the team and the village and stuff? Because... That is a look. I mean, anybody who who knows anything about winter sport, which Great Britain obviously isn't the the powerhouse of winter sports. We know mm -hmm. that because I mean, we're lucky if we get a snowflake each year. To be totally honest, so the fact that that sort of pressure's being put on was that something that was openly being talked about and and a cause of concern yeah. for people? No, I mean, I don't remember it ever being. You know, it was there. We all knew the numbers whenever you know training camp beforehand or whatever. So it was just always there in the back of your head, mm. but. You forget about that because you want to win a medal for you. You want to do your best performance. You've got the so for me, I, did, anyway. I couldn't care less what anyone else wanted to do or achieve. I know I can win a medal. And, you know, as days go on, you're like, I know I can win a gold medal on this track. And I'm doing everything possible because I know secretly, deep down, I can do this. So for me, it doesn't matter what all that external pressure is because, obviously, you know, you want to win a medal for your country and for the team and everyone, but you do it for you. Um, and you perform for what you know you can perform. And, you know, I, hand on my heart, truly believed I worked harder than any other athlete in that field of every day. Um, and, I, you know, I wasn't always the most confident athlete. Um, and confidence for, was something I really had to work on. And even now, you know, I'm not the most confident presenter. I'm not the most confident person. But then I have to get my confidence from that controlling the controllables, mm -hmm. making sure, OK, well, I've prepped in the only way that I can with the limited time. Or, you know, for me at the Olympics, I've, I've done every single tick box of every day, every decision for four years. So me standing on this start line is going to be my very best performance. And then whatever I come is my very best. Thankfully, it was gold. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's the way I had to cope and mentally have that kind of mindset. I 
find it really interesting and a little bit sad, if I'm totally honest, and, and I get this a lot when I speak to elite athletes, whenever you say that the first emotion and the overriding emotion, <laughs> when you have lived and breathed this one singular moment for four years, and at the end of that process, at, at the end of all the sacrifice and the hard work and the sleepless nights and the stress and the lack of confidence, the overwhelming feeling is not euphoria and yeah. joy and happiness. It is just relief. And I feel like that's really important for the rest of us to realize sometimes because, and I don't mean when we're looking at elite athletes even, I mean when we're living our own lives because I think sometimes you guys are lucky in a way. I know that, I know it takes an, such an amount of hard work because I could never be an elite athlete, but you've got this one thing you're able to focus on. And this is where I think most of us struggle in life. You don't have one target. You've got a mm. hundred different targets. But we've got this one thing and we think, if, th if I get that, that'll make me happy. If I get that, mm. that'll make me happy. If I get that pay rise, I'll be happy. If I get uh, that job, if I get that car, if I get that house. But it's never the realization of the goal that actually makes you happy. So unless you're enjoying getting there, the goal in itself becomes a little bit pointless other than to say that you've done it. Yeah. That's not to say that your gold medals are pointless. Thanks all. But they do <laughs> you're welcome. Just that reassurance <laughs> for you, Greg. Um, but you think it's going to bring you all of these things and all of this wonder yeah. in your life will change and it's not necessarily the case. Yeah, I think it takes a long time, you know, it's the relief first and I think it takes many days, weeks and, and years. I mean, I think it really truly hit me that I had won a gold medal four years later mm. commentating at the next Olympics, standing on that, you know, on track side with that you know, mic in my hand, thinking all these athletes here are striving for a medal. Oh yeah, I've got one at home. You know, it took me four years and I found those Olympic games the most emotional ones. I mean, you saw me, I, well, I, I well up at every Olympics, summer or, Olymp or, or winter, any big sporting event to see someone achieve their goal. Yeah. I get really emotional because then you're like, yeah, I did that. But I, it did take quite a long mm. time for that process and for you to suddenly be happy with yourself that you did really well. Because mm. I think it just doesn't naturally come and I think that is an athlete thing, isn't it? You, I think you it's are a human thing, really, I do. I think it's yeah. human. Pushing and pushing. To never recognise yeah. what you've actually achieved yeah. in whatever it is, whether it's getting to that the end of the day and ticking yes. off your list or whatever. I do want to go back to what you were touching on with regards closing the door and all of that because as you said Greg um you've got that success to fall back on so it's almost easier to close that door but when I'm thinking of anybody listening and thinking mm -hmm. of a situation that they maybe feel like they're getting to the end of and closing the door and being brave and going off to do something else mm -hmm. is there anything you've learned from your experience of thinking I could keep going but I'm not going to I've got to accept that I'm done with that now I move on to something else how did you what have you taken from that yeah, I mean, oh, crikey, it, it's definitely hard and sometimes it's clear cut and sometimes it's mm. not. Sometimes you want to just keep that door a little bit open. <laughs> um, but I think it is just looking outside. What are your interests? What can you do? Is there something you can cross over those skills? Is there a transition? Is there another passion that you've always had alongside your sport that you just had to sort of stop? Mm. Um you know, but I don't mean just in sport, I mean in everything. I mean yeah. in looking at one situation that you think that I've come to the end of the road in that situation and I've got to move on to something else. I think, I mean, for me, it's just giving everything a go. You mm. know, for me, it really truly is. You don't know if you're good at that next thing until you've given it a go. And if you're rubbish at it, you're rubbish at it. Find something else. And so that's always been my little 
mantra, maybe that's why I say yes to everything, <laughs> when I just start saying no. But I think until you've given it a go, um, how do you know what you're missing out on or what you could be really amazing at? Um, so yeah, I, I really truly believe yeah, you can be, you can have so many different skill sets. And I think an athlete has so many transferable skills that you don't know what else through that next mm. door you could be super good at or what other people think you're really good at that you just maybe never would have even thought of. So, yeah, for me, I'm like, give it a go. Well, it's part of that. <coughs> I mean, what very, go wrong? It's not listening to the what ifs too much, isn't it? That, that, I think, yeah. And that's for every single person, irrespective of sport and whatever else. I think it's very, very easy for people to straight away go, oh, yeah, but what if? What if? If I, if I move on to the new thing, but what if? Mm. I think you have to in life, you have to take chances and you, you have to be prepared to sacrifice certain things and, and you have to give up certain things in order to... to enrich yourself and carry on going forward to, to give yourself an opportunity to learn new skills and develop yourself and fundamentally if something isn't feeling right anymore or isn't working or is coming towards the end I don't think there's very many times in history where sticking with it works long okay term, so was it is it giving yourself a bit of tough love in that case I think and looking at the situation and, honestly, yeah. and saying I've got to be genuinely honest about what works and what doesn't I, I like to, to write lists and pros and cons of things I don't mm. know if that works that's just a bit childish but I'll you know, if I'm going to, like, I moved countries three and a half years ago, what's the advantage of staying here? What's the advantage of going? I had no idea. But once I've seen that, I've got a bit of a reassurance, at least that I've thought about it. Yeah, for me, it, it's always listening to that gut feeling. Mm, you know, at the, at the Olympics, we had all these different... Money had gone into research for the runners. <laughs> so it's like the, the metal runners on... It's like the tyres on a car. And I was being pushed and pushed to use this certain pair that all this money and research had gone into, but we hadn't had enough time to train on them. Mm. I wanted to use my goldie oldie favourites that I slide on all the time, that I know how they work, I know what me and the sled do together. And it took a lot of guts for me to be like, I am not using them, I don't feel comfortable, I'm using these ones. But it came down to that gut feeling, you know, for once in my life, I'm going to speak up and say what I truly believe in. And since that moment, and I know I would not have won the race, if I had gone on the pair mm. that I was being pushed to go on. And since that, I'm like, I always listen to my gut. It's so, you why is it so right hard to listen to your gut though? Why is it so hard to follow through on that? Because everybody listens to the, the, the if buts the and maybe, noise all around that, it. And that's the problem because yeah. for everything in your gut that's saying, do this, there's something in your head as well saying, oh yeah, but what if? Because your gut is often going against <coughs> perceived logic. That's Completely. the problem, isn't it? And that's probably one of the most difficult things that we do, especially when you have safety around you, say, mm be or it's going for safety, a job yeah. or whatever else mm. and you're thinking I hate this I'm miserable but mm -hmm. it's covering the bills or whatever yeah. gives me security in that way and of course it's a really difficult thing to say oh d just quit and move on <laughs> to something else. we're not saying I'm that not say, but don't it, leave your partner don't start a new job no. just because we've said it no complete but again similar to what you're saying it is about weighing up now obviously I think the other thing you always have to sort of be quite firm as well don't just go and do something completely random that you have no idea what you're doing. Don't give up your life and just go... <laughs> to be I'm a gonna, circus clown. Yeah, I'm, gonna, yeah, I'm just going to go and do this and realise there's no circuses anymore. Um, you're, you're in trouble a little bit. It, I think, a new, you could start a new like, band of travelling circuses. Is this circuses. what we're doing now? This is what this is. <laughs> do you think... Do you, I think we'd be quite good at Fine, it, though. We're, we're I, I learned to juggle a little bit in I'm lockdown. I'm going to leave now and make a start on it. <laughs> no, but it, it is one of the... Isn't it? You, you, I think... I think it gives an opportunity for again more of your brain to get involved and say maybe you shouldn't but actually really being methodical with everything that you're doing and really weighing up what's going on as well because as we said before if you're unhappy doing something you have to start making some form of change in order to try and get because 
you only have one life. Well, it's what I, I know some people listening will believe in other things, but you've got to enjoy what you've got while you're here. And if there's small changes that you can make to give yourself more enjoyment, go with it, mm. do it. Because fundamentally at 70 years old, eight years old if or whatever. If we're lucky enough to get that far. Of course, you, you don't want to be looking back and going, oh, well, I lived out my entire life miserable because I stuck to the same thing. You want to talk about the incredible experiences you had. And I think that comes from having that ability that obviously you're talking about, Amy, of just being able to do certain things that you want to do to make that outcome better. Mm. Choosing runners on the day gives you an Olympic gold medal. That's how fine it can be. And stepping away or walking away from a scenario that you're not happy with, you might bump into somebody that might change your life. Mm. You never know. Sliding doors. Absolutely. I want to ask you about the book that you've got in front of you, Amy. This is a book yes, that you've written, Talent to Triumph. third baby. And this is, <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah. This is speaking to lots of different athletes about how they've managed to turn talent to triumph. And yeah. this is one of my obsessions, of course, is um, how to take what you're born with and make that into a success. And I basically want you to download all of your book that will make people <laughs> go, and, go and buy it, not to replace it. I, but I want you to download all of your learnings, please, onto my brain. Tell yeah. me how to be a success, please. Well, look, I'll, I'll leave this with you. <laughs> um, I mean, basically... What are the biggest lessons that, that you would take away from having written that? Yeah, so I wrote that mostly for the teenage athletes, the mm -hmm. ones that are really passionate about, I mean, yes, sport, but you could take all of these lessons to, to ballet, to science, to maths, whatever it might to be. To the whole world. Everybody I mean, yeah, basically. <laughs> everyone everybody buy it. should get it. But no, I mean, it's for that athlete wants to learn. How do I make that little edge? How do you make those one percents how do I control my mindset so yeah it's my story it's is from my notes and my psychology notes that I made out through my career and particularly around the Olympics yes it's got my story through but it's not not an autobiography it's a mm -hmm. tips tools um yes quotes from summer Olympians winter Olympians my quotes and theirs sort of coming together so I know yeah how do you cope with Team, team, teammates. Um, how do you cope with fear? Mm -hmm. I've got coping strategies. How do you deal with I'm the negative stop you there. I want the I want the coping strategies. Just <laughs> in there. Oh, crikey. Yeah, no, like. Well, because I've, I've happened to open this up. As you mentioned, mindset, right? Yeah. So this is serendipitous. I opened up and the chapter is mindset. There yeah. you go. So there's you a are. reason that, that that's happened. Um, and you start this by saying, can you change and improve how you frame certain situations? Can you learn to deal with success and failure in a way that improves your performance? And Amy, this speaks to my soul. <laughs> the answer is yes, you can. And it's equally as important as your physical training. You say you'll learn how to work with un the uniqueness of your own mind, how to manage your mm. nerves, how to think logically rather than emotionally. Tell me, tell me, please. So, I mean, I purposely in there put in like, PDFs, like worksheets, they're my drawings from my own psychology book that I've put in there that you can scribble on. Yeah, so let's just say you're, uh, for me, uh, for example, I went for a phase of concentrating too much on the other girls. What are they doing? What warm-up are they doing? This is funny. What stretches are they doing? Why are they 0.1 second faster than me down the track? Why am I training champion and not on racing? And eventually it's like, okay, Stop thinking about them. They are not making you faster. They are not lifting you, your weights in the gym faster. They are not you lying on your sled. They are probably looking at you. Mm -hmm. And just simple things. Okay, so I'm sat in the changing room. Don't look at what the other people are doing. It doesn't matter what they're doing. That's not going to affect your performance. And if it does, it's going to be negative. Mm -hmm. So, okay, what little strategies and tips can I do in the changing room scenario to stop myself looking? 
okay, well, actually, I might have a reading book with me. I might have a little puzzle book. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have my plan of how I'm going to do my warm-up. I might have music on. I might sit next to the coach or actually a teammate or someone from another nation or country. For me, it was my Aussie friends. Let's have a little chin wag then. Mm. You know, whatever it was positive negative that you can switch those negative thoughts into a positive one to make you perform better and so I've just got little things from everything I mean there's 10 chapters in there from barriers in your sport to to, yeah that negative that positive um I mean yes I do go through my little Olympic uh, run at the end and it pulls in every chapter to Mm -hmm. prove I use this on my Olympic race day um, so yeah, I mean, I, I'm super proud of it. I've got some amazing reviews from it, from mm. all walks of life, from businessmen that have read it. I'm like, oh, I bought it for my son, but actually, mm. I'm taking it to work mm. with me. Um, to yeah, like football kids who have read it and are like, oh my goodness, I'm taking it in my bag in my changing room, and I'm going to share with it with some of my teammates and how we can work better together. You know, a little bit of everything. So what about nerves then? It's one of the things that I read as I picked mm. that up two seconds ago. Well. Two minutes ago, um, how did you? How do we learn to deal with nerves? What's the trick? Well, I think it's why have you got nerves? Is it because you haven't prepared? Is it because <laughs> you're not ready? Life everything. Everything makes yeah. me nervous. Why do you have life? Is it because <laughs> <it's life? laughs> you're thinking of the other competitors? Too much top boy fan. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's sort of. Um, that self-awareness, okay, well, why have I got these nerves? You could write them down in a list. Okay, how am I gonna deal with it? Or is it, I just need to take that deep breath at the start. Do some box breathing, imagine. I'm such a fan you know, of box breathing. Three, Talk us through box breathing for yeah. anybody listening or watching who's never done it. It's, I've it's, never done yeah. it, so oh my I'm gonna Gosh, it okay, is my Great go-to. little technique. Um, so first of all, um, draw a, you can shut your eyes if you wish. Okay. Draw a should, box. Should I? Should, shut I? should, I? should, should we do it now? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so make yourself comfortable. Do you do that your third eye? This, I don't want it to sound too No, spiritual. I actually don't bother. Do you pull your pelvic floor up? Right, for your watching, <laughs> men have a pelvic floor as well. Can I can I just quickly throw this in because this to me is the most powerful bit of it. As you're breathing in, pull up pull everything up through your pelvic floor up into a spot between your eyebrows. This is that's your PowerPoint. That's where I focus might all be, my energy. Might be a bit advanced for me. No, it's really not. It's really not. So that's what I do in the breathing and hold it up there. Anyway, Amy, sorry, take over again. <laughs> but otherwise, I imagine okay. I'm breathing up the side of the box. You can do it for whatever ever count. Count for two or count for three. If you're more advanced and you've got big deep breaths, count for six, let's just say. But let's count for four. Mm-hmm. So you breathe in for the count to four, and I imagine my finger going up the side of a box. I hold for the count of four as I go along the top of the box. I breathe out for the count of four. And I hold for the count of four. Anybody listening to that noise, that's all I'm That's, that's, that's all I'm breathing. breathing. So um, for me, that is breathing. as simple as it goes. It, yes, you can do all these other you know, techniques at the same time, but I just imagine myself drawing a box. You might only start with two breaths, mm-hmm. two breaths, two breaths, and you might work up to even seven or ten for the count. And it's just a way to just... Recenter, mm-hmm. refocus. By the time you've done that, you're not thinking of your other competitors. You've got into a calm state just before you dive into the swimming pool, just before you step out onto that netball or that football pitch. You know, you everyone that speech can do it, whatever it yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a technique that, that's, that's <coughs> known to be used by Navy SEALs. And I will use it to calm down in a situation, but actually I use it to fire up as well. So um, in my day job, it's not a usual day job, but um, we might need to channel some adrenaline to perform well. There's some nerves even, not nerves necessarily, but 
I sit here in the studio that we're talking in and I watch bike racing for like five or six hours a day. And then we've got a studio discussion at the end of it. And, and if you're sitting down for a long time, it can make you really lethargic. Mm. So I pop off to the loo, I'll time on my watch, I'll do five minutes of box breathing. By the time I come out, I'm so focused and energized and pumped from it because I've, I've channeled that into it. That's what I want to get out of it. Mm. That, I mean, yeah, I don't know if my performance is any better, let's be honest, but I find it really powerful. Yeah. That's good. I'm glad we've got to the bottom of what you're doing in the toilet. Um, out of interest, <laughs> For five minutes of uh, time. Yeah, absolutely. Out of interest, when you were back, going back over all of the old things that you'd written and everything else, was there anything that surprised you again or you reread and went, oh, it's amazing. Why have I not been thinking about this recently? Oh, crikey. Or did you um, basically, is your life, is that, have you managed to maintain everything you did as an athlete through into your civvy? No, life, I think like? you use things at different times and then you forget about mm -hmm. it. Um, I mean, I chatted to someone the other day and I, oh my goodness, yeah, why didn't I even put that in the book? Can't remember what that is. I've completely forgotten, but that was an amazing part. But hey, you can't put everything in, you know. And um, something that I've used every day of my life since learning about it, and this was almost back in 2004, five, at the start of my skeleton career, was about, we did a workshop in skeleton about learning each other's different color personalities. And I got this in the book. So it has lived with me every day of my life. So you're learning, there's lots of different ways of learning about people's personalities, but there's four different colors with this certain technique. You're a yellow, sunshine yellow, you're very bubbly sunshine yellow. There's a blue person who is very cool, calm, but very analytical, needs to know the facts and figures and numbers. There's the green person, very emotional, um, sensitive. Uh, and there's the red person who's very fiery, um, to what the point, demanding. I knew that was coming. As <laughs> Do you know what? And I'm responding you, in the way that I didn't want to respond in as well because I was just waiting for your head to turn. Do you know what? Do you know what? As soon as fiery was said, all oh, turned to me, and I, knew, I was waiting for it. Actually, it's because I ran out of colours and I thought I haven't done it yet, and I've got to put them on the spot. But you've on got something. to do it. But I thought fiery and it red worked. hair is too it obvious. Worked. But it yeah, you, you've proven your colouring. But you basically work out what you are consciously and subconsciously. You can have a little mm. bit of all those colours, or some mm. people are just really one and none of the other. And I remember doing this, and I'm massively green. So what's green? Emotional. Emotional. Mm -hmm. Quite a lot of yellow, zero red and very little blue. Wow. As an athlete, I had to learn to be more blue. Mm -hmm. But for me, the stats, the figures, the numbers, the number crunching and data to do with everything wasn't really my interest. I'd just say coaches tell me like, what it is I need to improve on. I'll do my video analysis, but you do all the facts and figures and numbers. Mm -hmm. And I'm horrific at numbers and figures. It's not me. Everyone presumes I'm red because you're a competitor mm -hmm. and you're an athlete. I have no red in me. I am not that person. So for me, I knew what I was in the team and there was a particular guy in the team who was absolutely no green, all red. So technically we are opposites and we can really clash. Mm -hmm. Yellows and blues are opposite and can clash. But in, you then learn, okay, well, how do we speak to each other? I'm a, how are you today? Tell me about your day. The red person doesn't want to know about that. He's not going to say, how are you today? Oh, How's your feelings? No, no, no. So, that's the first thing I said to you. Yeah, no, you so, so then you learn, actually, um, or like in the office, I will maybe just do one line, how are you? Here are my bullet points, because you're a blue person and a red. You just need me to the mm -hmm. point, bullet point. Thank you very much. No more. If you know you're speaking to a yellow and a green person, I can be a bit more fluffy. 
Hey, so how you was don't your assume that the other you? person is like you, essentially, which is what we all do. We tend to judge yes. somebody's response by how we would respond. <laughs> so as soon as you know, and within, let's just say you're in a football team, as soon as you know he's green, he's yellow, he's a bit of both, he's that, now we know how we can work together as a team. Or my coach, for example, let's just say is very blue and red. There's another coach who might be a bit more green. So I might go to the green person to ask a little bit more help because I don't feel comfortable going to the red person. That person can chat to him. And all of a sudden you are very aware. So I can summarize people quite quickly in their colors and I know how do I speak to you then? Or mm. me and my husband joke all the time because he is definitely Mr. Red Blue and I'm very green, green, yellow. And so we joke because he needs the facts, figures, numbers, data, you know, where are we go and where's the map? Well, we do, you know, like all the military. And I'm like, ah, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, the scatty side. <laughs> oh, we've just got to be there by three. Well, how are we getting there? Where's the date? Where's the address? Mm. Oh, I'll find it in a minute. You know, like, but then you muddle because his strengths are definitely mm. what I don't have and you can be vice versa. Equally, you can clash quite a lot because I'm way too scatty for him and he's too, you know, to the point. Mm. But then you need both. Mm. So I think, um, you know, that's something for me. It's in, I think, is in the teamwork section, for example. Learn to work better together and how do you communicate better? And communication means that you can either be a better coach, a better athlete or a better teammate, whatever it might just be. Just a better person, better I guess. Person. Become more emotionally yeah. aware of other people. Well, I think what you're saying as well is probably treat everybody individually mm. and understand that person. And by doing so, you can first of all connect on a level with them mm. and you're probably going to have a far better relationship, whatever that might be, totally. when you go to work, when you go to the gym, whatever it might mm. be, yeah. in order to have as harmonious environment as you possibly mm. can. Do you think that's probably one of the things that you've taken away from your career going into now being, again, I keep referring to it as a civvy, but I mean, it's... A, <laughs> <laughs> it's quite appropriate it to is. an army I mean, wife. It is, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know, I'm a military wife. Um, yeah, he always calls me, oh, civvies. Um, yeah, I, th I think... All it, again, it's all those skills that you can take away. You know, I know I, for example, I can be really blue when I need to be. Mm. Hence, I've prepped bags. I'm on it. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm rigid with my time and schedules because I have to be sometimes. Out of choice, I wouldn't be, and that's mm. why I feel like I'm scatty as well. Because when I don't need to be structured, oh, I'm not. You know, tell me tomorrow you're flying to Paris and pack your bag in five minutes and I'm there, mm. you know. Um, so, yeah, but I think it does make you realise, again, all these skill sets that you can shift and change into different environments, uh, whether that's being a mum, whether that's TV presenting, whether that's, you know, being a friend, whatever it might be. You've got all those different strengths and you can pull in on different friends. I need this person in my mm. life at the moment because they're like this and I need that person to just knock some sense in me and I need, you know, this other person because they're really great at organising. My one friend, she's got quite a lot of blue and we're like, yeah, you organise the family holiday, you know, with two mm. families we meet up. You do it all, we'll just pay the money. You know, it's like, you've doubt it, you're happy, fine, we don't care. You know, so all of a sudden, with everything, you can merge and just all of you can be then better people, better humans. Mm. Um, and that's what it's all about. Better performance in your life, in family, in relationships, whatever it might be. Better humans. Mm. That's what it's all about. I like it, Amy. And I like as well how that depersonalizes things a little bit. You know, instead of mm. blaming somebody for being too much of this or too much of that, that we're not. Just accepting they are who they are and recognizing your own strengths and possibly weaknesses, but knowing mm. yourself, which is so powerful, isn't it? Yeah. 
Amy Williams, thank you so much. It's been an thank absolute you. joy. And you've got three books to read before tomorrow. So we've got to let you go. Yeah, good because luck. you're super organised and you're doing so much. So congratulations on living such a full life. It's amazing to see. Oh, bless you. Mm. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Greg, when we finished that chat, we had a good old look, didn't we, at our colours? And we reckon we're probably actually quite similar. Amy is very good at diagnosing people. Jeez. Diagnosing is probably the wrong description, but she said that she thinks I am like a core of red, mm. which is fiery, and I can't remember the rest of it. I should look at the book. Yellow. Fiery is the main takeaway. But with a veneer, I think, of, of yellow, veneer. I've got a sunny, energetic bubbliness, but she thinks that deep down it's actually a fieriness at my core. Darkness. I actually said I've got a darkness, I've got a bit of a dark soul, which I try to hide. Um, <laughs> but she sort of put you in this in a similar category. Yeah. yeah. I think that's fair enough? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't really understand it fully, so <laughs> I'm just going to go with... Um, yeah, You're I just think going to agree right. for a change. I am, yeah. That's yeah. quite nice. Yeah. Um, but with a bit of green as well, a bit of emotion she put with you. Apparently I had a bit of everything. Yeah. I know, not much blue though, to be honest. No, anyway, well, I suggest everybody gives it a go and actually finds out what they are because it's genuinely fascinating. I like, found it really interesting. And I actually was discussing this morning the, the Briggs-Meyer mm. personality test. Have you ever done that one? A long time ago. It is scarily accurate. Yeah. But then so can like your star sign reading sometimes. No, yeah. but I find, this, I find this quite detailed. So things like... For my personality test, on, on, I need to remember what my, my actual um, letters were. But for example, um, apparently on a first date for me, mm-hmm. I would choose something where I get the chance to show off, like laser tag or mini golf. Triple <laughs> and jump. I, <laughs> and I thought, that sounds like a lot of fun, actually. I haven't been on a first date in a while. But if I do happen to go on one again, maybe laser tag would well, be. Would you be now it. know if you're taking all her out for a date, make sure you do something very active like laser tag. What else would Down you do? Down the bowl- amusement centre, I'm a Bowling, cheap does that count? Oh, bowling, definitely, okay. 100%. Um, Anything you get to. Full one on one MMA style fight? No, that- that's no, okay, just a fine. little bit aggressive. Too far. What would be yours? Um, First date of choice, go. Yeah, mine probably be something quite active, actually. Yeah, I'd probably enjoy yeah. some. I don't think just go out to the cinema, so anybody wants to take me out for a date, <laughs> hit me up. Was that your cute face? If anybody is uh, only well, listening I... on the podcast, you've missed that cute face. Give it again. <laughs> Definitely not cute. Anyway, okay, thank you. Um, Amy claimed that she wasn't fiery. So Which, we thought we'd put that to the test. No, but that's interesting, though, as well. I think we have touched on that very quickly. For somebody who's an Olympic champion mm. to say they're not fiery, difficult. Difficult to get your head around, I you think. You didn't pull her up on that. But you not what, do you not believe her? It's not that I don't believe her, I just find it difficult. Because there's so many hurdles, so many times you have, there has to be a lot of grit and determination, which I think is a level of fire, fieriness. Mm. Um, well, it is in my case anyway. Um, and I just feel like, I think it's very difficult to, to do what she did as an individual sport and not be a bit fiery. So, Amy, you're a light. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I think some people also don't always see mm. that fiery side of things. But Well, because fieriness is seen as a negative, and I yes. don't think it is a negative. No, I see it as fuel and, and energy and yeah. drive and focus for me. Yeah. But I would say that because I'm red and fiery. Anyway, <laughs> we decided to put Amy to the test with whether or not she is actually fiery with our... Um, highly competitive latest instalment of Rock, Paper, Scissors. 
we, we've decided and we come up with this brilliant plan okay. that we always play rock, paper, scissors at the end of every okay. pod. There we go. Look! And, and there really the twist. That's there is absolutely no twist. No twist. The only twist is that it's that very competitive. He's very competitive. With all of <laughs> All right, we ready to go? Yeah. yeah. Yes, go! <laughs> you call it, you call okay, it. Okay, ready, here we go. Yeah. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Oh, I'm out! It's you two. I don't care. Picked himself <laughs> up. Picked himself up. I know, did he? No, 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 don't look at me. Okay. <laughs> look at your master. I'm not, I'm not worried today. I forgot what I was going to go for. Just okay. Go okay, yeah, 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 go with okay. my gut. Yeah. Okay. Rock. Right, hang on, hang on. Whoa, 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 whoa. You both looked at me and then you went, there's, uh, there's proper nerves here today. I'm actually, do you know what? I should check out my heart rate on this. I've gone to 76. I don't know what you was before, though. 76, I'm on... I can feel it. Thumping though. 93. <laughs> <laughs> triple figures. Okay, right, okay. Ready? Right, let's I'll get see it done. What he's like at Here me. we oh go. My, I've never seen my heart rate that high while sitting. It's gone to oh, 94. Right, let's keep going. Okay, ready? Don't look at me, look at each other. Just listen to the words. Right. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Oh no, it's gonna go wrong! Yes, we finally had a guess win! I'm so happy! Well done. Well it's, the, it's the best case scenario Amy, for me. That was wonderful. If I lose, wonderful. I need wonderful. the guests yeah. to win. I'm still winning against Greg. That's amazing. Okay. Okay. Take amazing. Money anyway. Thank you. Do I get some little so mini much. trophy? There was the definitely end? a fire in the end. There was definitely mm, a fire. I mean, you've got a little slither oh, of red in you. I thought I was going to fire. Oh, up. man. What was I? <laughs> I, I feel really shaky. Oh, my gosh.